good morning. I am so grateful for Clint and the rest of the board and, and for Greta. And, and even in the brief time that you and my wife got to talk, just what an encouragement you were to her. And so just appreciate you. It's good to be back here. Last time I was here, you guys were off gallivanting around doing something. Uh, no, on sabbatical, which I am so grateful that you gave them that opportunity. And I am extremely happy to be in a church that's older than I am. I really appreciate that part of our district. I'm going to be at Geneva tonight for their 50th anniversary, and I won't be able to say that for them, but I can say that for you. Um, and I, I want to say congratulations for 75 years, but most of those 75 years is somebody else's responsibility. And so congratulations for your part of a much larger narrative that has been going on, not just in this property, but in this community and, of course, most of the gratitude goes to the Lord himself, who has been so faithful through all of this time. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving from Goodland, Kansas, which is the far west of Kansas, almost Colorado, to Wichita. After a long drive, I had just that leg to go for that evening. And so I punched in where I'm supposed to go on GPS and driving along, as I'm driving along I-70 going east, everything's just totally fine. It's just nice, easy. But then there was a point when I had to leave the interstate. And it, was, it just got dark as soon as I left the interstate on a path I've never been on before. And we start going through some uh, small Kansas towns, some unlit county roads, some train tracks that popped out of nowhere, underpasses where there's a blind corner, you don't know what's going to come around, and I was just trusting GPS to get me there, and then at one point I looked and I was going west. And I came from the west, I'm supposed to go east and south, and now I'm going west. And I thought, well, that, that can't be right, did I, did I punch it in wrong? And I began to worry, and so three questions just started going through my mind. First of all, am I ever going to get there? That's the me question. And the other question was, where am I? That's the location question. And then the question, am I going to get there before midnight? Because that's the when question. And of course, all I had to do is to just zoom out on the map and see that it made total sense. That just for that little jaunt... I needed to go west just a little bit, just a mile or two, and then catch the road that went south and then east from there. So it made sense once I zoomed out onto the big map. And, and that's kind of what today is for you, is it's a chance to zoom out on the map and see the larger journey that this church has been on, not just the one leg that you're part of, that maybe it feels like sometimes we're going west when we should be going east and south but to see the larger picture, the journey that you're on. We get to do that today. And we're going to use Jeremiah 29 as our text for that. So you can be turning to, to Jeremiah 29. I still say turning to, even though a lot of you flip and click to. That's okay. We'll be in, in, in that passage in, in Jeremiah 29. We're going to ask three similar questions that I was asking just a couple of weeks ago in my car in the dark. This passage, I want to be very careful though, I, I want to be very sure we handle God's word carefully. This passage is not to us. It is to a group of Israelites that we'll explain in a second, but it is for us, 
And the things that God told them apply to us. But I want to be careful how we treat God's word today. Before we do, let me, let me just pray one more time. Father, we pray right now together with one voice that you would do now what will be celebrated here 25 years from now. The work you do in us today and this week and this month and this year would be part of the celebration 25 years from now should you tarry. And Father, particularly for the teenagers, some of whom will be the leaders then, 25 years from now, would you do a work in them now that will be celebrated 25 years from now here? Father, we pray for you to do as you please in us today through your word and through the fellowship of believers in whom your spirit dwells. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. In the history of Israel, some of you may know this, maybe some of you don't, that's fine. But the people of Israel had been disobedient to the Lord over and over and over again for generation after generation after generation. And finally God said, enough. And he allowed Babylon to come and ravage Israel and sack Jerusalem and and desecrate the temple and take many people captive to Babylon. And so now these people are displaced. They are they're no longer in their home and they're in Babylon instead of Jerusalem. They are going west when they thought they should be going east and south. And they ask similar questions, I'm sure. Why us? The, the me question. Why us? Why, why not our great-grandparents? I mean, they, they did worse things than we did. We're not responsible for all the history of Israel. Why us? Why not the, the generation that, that, that tried to kill the prophets? We're, we're not totally obedient, but we haven't tried to kill our prophets yet. This isn't totally our fault. It's not even mostly our fault. And, and so they might have been asking kind of the negative side of the why us. And then the why here the where question why babylon later in scripture babylon would be the name to describe just an evil city or an evil nation it's a pagan land you've put us in god it's a they have a pagan religion here there are pagan ways it's a pagan government they shouldn't be winning why here of all places and then the why now question why us why here why now? The when question. Why not three generations ago? Why not the generation that pursued Elijah the prophet and tried to kill him? Why not that generation? Or why not the generation that tried to kill the prophet Amos after they tortured him? Or the generation that, who killed the prophet Isaiah not long before our history for this generation? They sawed him in two. Why not that generation? Why us? We're going west when we should be going south and east. And so we're going to zoom out today and ask positive versions of those questions for ourselves today. Why us? Why here? And why now? Why Stanton Evangelical Free Church here and now? Why us? Why, why this part of the timeline? Why is this the timeline we're in? The history of the church, of this church, cannot go from where it was to where it's going without going through us first. There is no path from then to then without us. Why us? 
of all people. At the 100th anniversary, when they're showing holograms of the history of this church, they're going to tell stories of you and what you've done or what God's done through you. Why us, this particular group of people who bear this standard for this church? There are other churches in town. Why this group of people? And even including those who've been a part of this church who are visiting here today. Why why us together? And why here? Why Stanton? We're not in Stanton, England. We're in Stanton, Nebraska. Why here? We could be anywhere. Why did you put all of us in this community? This town, this county? Why did you put this church on this spot? We could be across town. We could be across the street. Why here? And then why now? Wow, this, this is just such a weird time, isn't it? With the, the pandemic and, and questions about gender and questions about deconstructing your faith, this is such a weird time. It's not like it used to be. So why now? Why is all this stuff happening on our watch at this time? So why us? Why here? And why now? What was the word of God to those exiles in Babylon? And what can we learn? What counsels are for us? So Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 1. The prophet Jeremiah sent a letter to the exiles Nebuchadnezzar had carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. It was addressed to the elders who were left among the exiles, to the priests, to the prophets, and to all the other people, not just Pastor Clint, and the elders, all the other people who were exiled in Babylon, he sent it after King Jeconiah, the queen mother, the palace officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had been exiled from Jerusalem. He sent it with Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah. King Zedekiah of Judah had sent these men to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The letter said, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all those he sent into exile to Babylon from Jerusalem. And what God tells the people in that letter from Jeremiah should help us answer those three questions. Why us? Why here? Why now? But pay attention to who's talking. Yes, it's Jeremiah, but he says, verse 4, the Lord of heaven's armies says this. The God of Israel says this. So what does this God have to say to those people? First part, verse 5. In this letter, he begins with, build houses and settle down. What? Really? We need a prophet to tell us this? We need the, the God of heaven's armies to tell us to build houses and settle down? Really? But let me reword it. Embrace your temporary address, is what he's saying. You're, you're just here temporarily, and for them it'll be 70 years. You're just here for a short time. Embrace your temporary address. It is temporary, but it's your address, so embrace it. Unpack your suitcases, he says to them. Put the pots and pans in the cupboard. Settle in. Build houses and settle down. 
Send the post office a change of address form. Embrace your temporary address. It's, it's counterintuitive. We're, they're, they're being exiled. We know Jerusalem's the place to be, and we know this has got to be temporary, so we should just kind of hold our breath until it's over, right? This is no. Settle in. Embrace your new address for this time. Doesn't seem to make sense. Moses, Moses never talked about this, did he? Well, actually, he did. This is where you are for now, where God has put you for now. So just embrace it, he says to these exiles. Don't complain about where you could be because, because God didn't put you where you could be. He put you where you are. And if he's sovereign, embrace your temporary address. Abide. And so I think, did, did Jesus ever have to do that in the incarnation? Did Jesus ever have to embrace his temporary address? Because his permanent address is heaven. He was here for just a short time. Did he actually have to embrace that temporary address? And of course, the answer is yes, he did. John 1, 14. Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. Jesus embraced his temporary address. He unpacked his suitcases. He settled in. It, it seems counterintuitive that God would do that. It doesn't seem to make sense to us that God would do that, but that's where his Father put him for a time. And Jesus didn't spend the time of his temporary address complaining that he wasn't at his permanent address. He embraced it. So that he could reveal his permanent address. He embraced the temporary address so that the people around that temporary address, he could reveal his permanent address too. That was part of the purpose. He used this address to reveal that address. He embraced it. And so, why us? Why here? Why now? God has put you, in particular, in this location, in particular, at this time, in particular, to abide where he put you for now, to unpack your suitcases, even if this is not your permanent address, to embrace his sovereignty over every aspect of your life where you are, when you are, who you are, so that you, too, can reveal Jesus' permanent address to those around you for that purpose, to embrace this address, to reveal that address. And it may sound counterintuitive because this is not our home. Why should we unpack our suitcases here? And it would be wrong if it just stopped there. But there's more. Verse Five, continue on verse 5. And this seems so odd to me. A prophet of God, speaking from the, the, the Lord of, of heaven's armies, says, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and allow your daughters to get married so that they too can have sons and daughters. Grow in number. Do not dwindle away. These are instructions for exiles in a pagan land. Produce. Bear fruit of all kinds. All those things are bearing fruit. Yes, you're temporary. Yes, you're temporary, but bear fruit while you're there. 
examples for the, for the Israelites. Plant zucchini. Right? Which takes a season. Bear fruit. Well, then and find another exile and get married and have children. Produce children. Bear fruit. That takes a few years. But then have your kids marry and have other kids produce grandchildren. That takes a generation. Bear fruit. Don't hold your breath until it's over. While you're here, bear fruit. Bloom where you're planted. This isn't the promised land, but wherever God puts you, he wants you to bear fruit there. Did Jesus do that? Did Jesus bear fruit while he was at his temporary address? And of course he did. He says, John 10, 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. So yes, here's my permanent address and there's a permanent fruit if you were to, to put your faith in me. But he also bore fruit at his temporary address. Also there too, he healed blind people and lepers with no mention of forgiving their sins. He blessed them in the temporary space as well. He fed thousands of people, and some of them never followed him. He blessed them in their temporary address as well. He washed Judas's feet just before Judas went the way of the devil. So yes, Jesus bore fruit not only for his permanent address, but also at the temporary address. And so why us? Why here? Why now? God has put you in particular, in this location in particular, at this time in particular, to feed the hungry. To clothe the needy, to provide for the widow and orphan, to visit the prisoners, to bear fruit in this temporary address, but also to give birth to and to raise spiritual children to bear fruit that way, but not just spiritual children, but those who can then produce other spiritual children, your spiritual grandchildren, bear fruit. For the, the permanent address too, to bear fruit among the lost in this community. Bear fruit, the fruit that abides forever for both the temporary address and the permanent. You are right here right now because people in this zip code are lost. So, abide, bear fruit. Next, verse 7 Work to see that the city where I sent you as exiles, you get that, that, see the city where I sent you as exiles, see that that city enjoys peace and prosperity. That that city enjoys peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, for as it prospers, you will prosper. Bless them, those who took you captive. Those pagans in Babylon, those who don't even like you, seek their prosperity, seek their welfare, seek their health. Pray to the Lord for God to provide it for them. Them? Yes. Them. Whoever the them are. Whoever the them are. And for these Israelites, these pagans, they... Bless the ones who bow down to bronze statues. Bless them. Pray for God to prosper them. Yes. They're your neighbors. And you are part of their economy. You are part of their economy. 
that's part of what it means to have a temporary address. So did Jesus bless the them of his day? The pagans, the haters, the Pharisees, and of course he did. He says so much in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's the one that sounds normal. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be like your Father in heaven since he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Did Jesus bless God's enemies? Yes, them. So why us? Why here? Why now? God has put you in particular, in this location in particular, at this time in particular, to bless even those who oppose God. This is your slice of this church history. And there are people in your community in this slice of your church's history for you to bless. As we zoom out the map and we see just this leg of the church's longer history, larger history, bless the them of each generation of the church. He put you here on purpose so that you would pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because you'll then be like your Father in heaven, Jesus says. Pray for those who persecute you so that you can be like your Father in heaven who causes the rain to, to fall on them as well as those. So abide, bear fruit, and bless. Fourth, verse 8. For the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says... Do not let the prophets among you, or those who claim to be able to predict the future by divination, deceive you. And do not pay attention to the dreams that you, that you are encouraging them to dream. They are prophesying lies to you, and claiming my authority to do so. But I did not send them. I, the Lord, affirm it. And again, a reminder who's speaking, verse 8, the Lord of heaven's armies gets our attention. The God of Israel is saying one thing. Do not let the prophets among you who are saying something else. There are two people speaking here. There was lots of noise for those exiles back then. They were in this pagan land. There's lots of noise around them. Of course, the, the pagan world around them was giving them noise. They would say, worship Nebuchadnezzar. They would say, offer sacrifices to this statue. They would say, it's okay to add one more god to the pantheon of gods. Just the one you have, let's add some more. And, 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 but there were also prophets among the group of Israelites who sounded like maybe what they were saying maybe was kind of right. Maybe they were saying things like, well, this is only going to last a month. Don't unpack. Uh, don't, don't bless these people. Curse them. That sounds kind of right. Don't know exactly what they were saying, but they were saying some things that maybe sounded kind of good, but it was noise compared to revelation. There's also revelation. This letter, for example, was revelation, and it said some counterintuitive things like plant gardens and bless the pagans. So in other words, during this time of your temporary address, discern between the two. Between revelation and all the noise. 
don't pay attention to the noise. But if the Lord of heaven's armies speaks, trust it and do it. Because revelation is what guides us through our temporary residency. Did Jesus ever have to distinguish between revelation and noise? A little clue, all the answers are yes when I ask that question. Matthew 4, for example, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being tempted by Satan. His body is telling him to eat because he's been fasting for 40 days. And Satan comes along and starts telling him things like, well, throw yourself down from the highest place so the angels will catch you because that's what the word of God says. And so it, it sounded almost kind of right. It was noise. But there was also revelation because Jesus said three times, it is written. He contrasted revelation with noise. He distinguished between the two. So why us? Why here? Why now? God has put you in particular, in this place in particular, at, at this time in particular, to know God's word well enough to distinguish what is noise. He's put you here to understand revelation well enough so that you know when noise is noise. Who else will do that for Stanton, Nebraska? Other than the people of God. So revelation is what guides us through this temporary residency of ours. And, and youth, I see all over. You face noise we may never hear, us old people. We may never hear the noise that you hear. And it's revelation, the word of God that will help you guide through the noise. If you do not hold to revelation, the noise is what will guide you the rest of your life. And so we want you to know the Word of God, not because that's what good little Christian boys and girls do, but because that is your guide through the noise. And if Jesus had to rely on revelation from God to justify or distinguish the noise, then so do we. We want you to know God's Word to navigate the noise, some of which we'll never hear. So, abide, bear fruit, bless, discern, and the fifth one, which we might not like so much. Verse 10, for the Lord says, only when the 70 years of Babylonian rule are over will I again take up consideration for you. Then I will fulfill my gracious promise to you and restore you to your homeland, for I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you, says the Lord. Then I will reverse your plight and will regather you from all the nations and all the places where I've ex exiled you, says the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I exiled you. See, it really is just temporary. But in the meantime, he says, I will hear you. 
In that meantime, in your temporary residency, I will hear you if you call out to me. He will hear us. Prayer is a particular gift to us during this temporary residency. It's it's a mechanism he gives us. I know you're going to be here temporarily, so let me give you prayer for that time, for that period. You're going to need it, and if you use it, I'll hear you. Why would he give us prayer if he's not going to listen? The fact that he gave us prayer is a promise. He will listen. He will hear us during this time. And not only will he hear us, he says, verse 14, and I will gather you. He's speaking to the Israelites here. I will regather you. I will take you back to Jerusalem. There is a permanent address coming, and for them it was Jerusalem. For us, it's the new Jerusalem. He will hear us, and he will gather us. So, wait during your temporary residency. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to gather you. I will do it, so wait. I don't like waiting. But that's why I want you to abide. I want you to produce. I want you to bless. I want you to discern. That's part of waiting. Holding our breath is not waiting. But abiding, but, but bearing fruit, but blessing, but discerning, that is waiting on the Lord. And did Jesus have to wait? And the right answer is, yes, he, well, he did. He several times said things like, it's not yet my, my hour. It's not yet time. It's not yet my time. I, I just healed you, but don't tell anybody because it's not yet my time. Peter, you just de- declared who I am. Don't tell anybody yet. And it just is amazing to me that the the God who's outside of time, by taking on human nature, for the first time had to wait. And so Jesus waited. So why us? Why here? Why now? God has put you in particular, in this location in particular, at this time in particular, to pray to the God who hears us. That's part of waiting. It's the gift he gave us. He put you here to wait for God to gather us, to to embrace the fact this is a temporary address, but not to forget that it's a temporary address. Sometimes we forget it's temporary. Don't forget that either. He will gather us. So I want you to do these other things until I do. Because you don't know when it's going to be. He has put you here to abide, to produce, to bless, to discern because he hears you and because he will gather you. So abide where the sovereign God has put you. Bear fruit both in the temporary residence and for the permanent address. Bless, yes, even them. Discern because only we have revelation and wait because he hears us and he will gather us. I I call this a long presence in the same direction, which is a nod to Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction on a Spiritual Journey. So I want to give him credit for the phrase, but a long presence in the same direction. On this year anniversary, to zoom out on the map and remember that you're part of a larger story of a long presence in the same direction for those who preceded you and those who will follow you. 
How am I doing on time? Okay? All right. I want to read Jesus' prayer in John 17, soon before he was to go to the cross. It's a little bit longer passage, so I'm asking for long attention span. But I want you to listen for all five things that show up. In his prayer for this abiding, this bearing fruit, this blessing, this discerning, and for waiting. John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples just before he leaves. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he looked upward to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. Just as you have given him authority over all humanity so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me at your right side with the glory I had before with you, before the world was created. I have revealed your name to the men you gave me out of the world. They belonged to you. And you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they understand that everything you've given me comes from you, because I have given them the words you've given me. They accepted them and and really understand that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I'm praying on behalf of them. I'm not praying on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you've given me, because they belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you, and everything you have belongs to me, and I have been glorified by them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them safe in your name that you've given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in your name that you've given me. Not one of them was lost except the one destined for destruction so that the scripture could be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you and I'm saying these things in the world so that they may experience my joy completed in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they did not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm asking you to take them, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. I set myself apart on their behalf so that they too may be truly set apart. I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony so that they will all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me, and you have loved them just as you have loved 
me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you. And these men know that you sent me. I made known your name to them, and I will continue to make it known so that the love you have, have, that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Amen. Amen. Clint, would you please?